720 WGN. It is uh, Dane here with you. High atop Chicago in the uh, in the Skyline Studio, and uh, happy to be here and excited on uh, on what is going to be a great Memorial Day weekend. We've got the weather to go along with some of the positive attitudes that are happening uh, related to some of the the openings around the country, around the world. I know that there's a lot to go. Uh, as far as all that, but we can do what we can. We've got some cool things happening on the eclectic blend related to the show. We're going to have a little bit of barbecue, a little bit of getting out uh, in the backyard and doing some things. Plus the thing uh, that I think all sports fans and certainly motorsports fans, just fans of Americana are excited about is is typically for this weekend is the Indianapolis 500. It isn't happening, but maybe it is. They're doing a virtual Indianapolis 500. Uh, it's like hashtag uh, 500 at home. And we're going to be talking with uh, Doug Bowles, the CEO, uh, the president of uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, a little bit later on this half hour. We're also going to be talking with uh, Pauline Fromer. And if you know her, she and her family for the longest time, I would think of them and consider them uh, one of the first families of, uh, of travel, giving us a little bit of insight into kind of the, the global situation, what's happening uh, for things sort of as mundane as, as some of the road trips and then faraway travel uh, to Shanghai and and some of our favorite destinations, plus some virtual ways to enjoy some of that, which I think is going to be cool. Ray Sheehan, he has written an insane book, and we're going to have one for the listeners. Uh, we're going to give it away today on sauces, building your own sauces. So if you're going to get in the backyard, you're going to do some barbecue, uh, and you want to go ahead and create your own sauce. Granted, there's you know a thousand bottles, great ones, there's some really great ones on the shelves at all the grocery stores. But to make your own and kind of make it your own is pretty cool as well. And then Mark Miles, he is the CEO of uh, Penske Entertainment, and he's going to give us kind of the insight in tomorrow's NBC broadcast uh, at the Brickyard. But uh, so before we get to that, it's um, it's been weird. You know, it's been one of those things kind of at first you kind of really enjoy staying home and doing all of the stuff that you can at home, catching up on things, taking up a new hobby, learning maybe a new skill, uh, maybe going online and researching stuff, maybe doing some projects at home. And But on the entertainment side, it's um, it's tough. We're a family that goes to that goes to the movies on a regular basis. We do that. And uh, Griffin, of course, in the booth with us. Ashley is here as well. You'll know and love her from so many of her uh, efforts here at the Mighty Flagship. And uh, but Griffin, you had printed out this is, and you're seeing sort of, I don't know, just the emergence of of sort of lifestyle workarounds where people are trying to find ways to do or not be restricted from doing things that they really enjoy. Movies is one of them. You can't get out there. Granted, the streaming services have been great, but the uh, you handed me a thing for the Music Box Theater bucket listers compete this summer for Chicago drive-in business, and so this is, I mean. And now, Griffin, you're relatively young and have not been exposed to, tortured with the the drive-in experience. But now, I think in this situation, it could be a good thing. Oh, I don't. I've never thought of it as a torturous thing. Although maybe you have had bad experiences with it well, in the past. Well, here's the the three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. For anybody who wants to share their drive-in experience, I think people remember it fondly for a lot of the social aspects. Like you'd get out there, you'd have fun. Um, but from a quality standpoint, I think we're just too spoiled to be able to watch it in that format. What I remember through the windshield and that, that <laughs> is that what you mean? Or? Right. Okay. So you have that. I didn't even consider the windshield. I was just thinking <laughs> the, the blurry vision of the far away screen. Uh, and then of course the sound quality, you know, we're so kind of spoiled with, we've got the, the dream loungers and we've got the, the TXX and the, we've got the Dolby sound and we've got just great stuff. And, I don't know if anyone has a different memory. I mean, I haven't been to a drive-in movie in you know, maybe 15 or 20 years, and there's less and less opportunities to do that. I think there's only 
maybe one sort of teetering on extinction uh, drive-in theater left in the Chicagoland area, at least at this point. But it was it was always I remember it always was blurry. You'd have the sound at, at some point. They got it where you could just tune it in so you could actually hear uh, the sound for the movie through your uh, through your car stereo. So I, I guess that had to be better. But I remember early on as a little kid, they had a, a really terrible metal uh, speaker and it was it was like a big wad of metal like a fist of metal that you would hang onto the uh, onto your uh, under the, the window whether it was the driver's side or the passenger side I guess depending on how you were parked but um, it was the kind of thing that I don't I don't remember it being terrible because I don't know that we had alternatives but it was the kind of thing that uh, that would just could not have been good especially since you think you know that this speaker was sitting out in the rain in the snow it was just attached i don't know if they were able to take them in um and, and bring them in and then on the on the food side you look at some of the other things that we've been spoiled with on uh on the, just the theater experiences they have competed with our own home theaters and then where you have bars and restaurants and the ability to have food served to you and although you know a long walk up to a crowded line to get yourself some uh some snow caps and and jujubes is great you know, you just, I guess you could pack, you could pack your own picnic, maybe have a cooler. Yeah. You know, you could have your own cocktails. I, I think, uh, as someone who's never done it, or maybe I have been to a drive, drive-in, but it's been since I was a kid and I don't remember it. Do you remember the the movies you saw at your last, maybe, <laughs> the, okay. or, or things that you've seen at a drive-in? So the because la- to me, the communal experience, uh, outweighs any like technical problems that it might create. It sounds so fun just to do that. I think people would forgive so many technical problems that uh or the blurry screen you said that the sound quality i think I guess. that it's going to be ju- graded on such a curve that people will just be happy to be out and around each other even with the cars separating them you remind me of the ways that people used to equate going to a cubs game right they just yeah. enjoy all the things except for the baseball barely paying well, attention to that and even if they lose what's the difference we're having a great time right uh, yeah yeah kind of i mean uh i think that there's uh a, a lot of hunger for for something like that right now i, I think and I, it reminds me of what's on tv you know shows that are still producing new episodes with people at home like late night shows do, or, do you, or any people are forgiving i think quite forgiving of the lowered quality just because it's like well it's something new i appreciate the attempt and, uh, well and i think yeah. what you're what you're seeing here is and that's a it's a great point and it's it's something that i've looked at too because it seems as though they're not even trying to sort of recreate whatever that show was or was it you know especially for the late night talk shows you know you've got your conan you got your jimmy Fel- they're just kind of on a zoom meeting right but granted it's not your your co-workers or some kind of meeting it's like a-list movie stars talking about typically like crazy things that they're doing so for an insight into kind of them in their real lives if you cared about them at all like this is i think that this is interesting stuff yeah you get to see people's houses in the background try to like make <laughs> out what is going on in their house what? okay that's great. 302-981-7200. If people are doing that as well, I would love to hear a little bit about that, maybe throughout the course of the program. I haven't done a lot of Zoom meetings up till now, but of course, we've all been sort of thrust into this is just the way that you do it. And so I had not considered the backdrop, but even though I'd been watching guests kind of in that format for the longest time. So I think what you need to do, is there any thought, Griffin, to where you have to curate your background, you know, maybe put like an award that you had in there. If you've got like a like a little league trophy there, maybe a, maybe uh, your your degree. You know, you have your your diploma. At a, at a certain point, if you're trying too hard, that's almost worse than it looking <laughs> bad. You know, if if people if it's ostentatious, if people are like, "Wow, they really wanted to show off something." 
Well, that's maybe the worst thing you could do. I guess. But, yeah. So you <laughs> somewhere wanted, somewhere in the middle. You want it to seem organic, you know? They yeah. maybe you got some interesting books in the background or some other things, but it, it's crazy because I had not really given it any thought, and now you've got to think. Well, there is you to whatever extent that satisfies the need for the meeting, and then you've got to look at the background as well. Well, uh, when it comes to painting a picture, even a virtual picture, Indianapolis Motor Speedway is doing that tomorrow. They're going to have the virtual Indy 500. I think it's going to be three or four hours on NBC. And when we come back from this break, we're going to talk to the president of uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, Doug Bowles. So keep it here, 720 WGN. Seven twenty WGN on the road with Dane high atop Chicago in the Skyline Studio and on the line with us we have uh, one of those great individuals that represents one of the greatest places in all of sports in America the president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway the one and only Jay Douglas Bulls Doug welcome to WGN well thanks for having me on as always yeah Good oh it's to be with you it, it's great to have you on and we normally share that you are you and your amazing team of course you don't do it alone you know you've got a great team there creating a lot of the magic that people enjoy in and around the races and race weekend and we always say that there's so much more as much as the the stuff that happens on the track is so huge and important that there's so much that you guys build on around it and so now here tasked with something i don't think anyone could have foreseen the opportunity or, or the obligation or the responsibility to tack on things around the track that aren't even happening, right? And to create sort of that virtual experience to give people what it is they're looking for in May, which is a virtual 500. Yeah, it's, uh, it's well, we're not alone, right? I mean, we're all no. going through uh, an odd time. I can't imagine uh, maybe some of the folks who uh, were alive in World War II and, um, you know, I don't know that any of us have gone through something like this. It's, it's, uh, it's definitely a strange time, and, and this week in particular um, has been strange because of the fact that it's race week and trying to, trying to you know, normally we've got folks here, we've got cars on track, we're getting prepared for a parade, we're getting pre- you know, prepared for 300-plus thousand people to show up on Sunday at the racetrack, and, and instead we're working from home and occasionally going in the office and trying to figure out how we at least uh, celebrate a little bit uh, this week and the weekend that uh, is so important to so many, but doing it in a completely strange way. So it's it's definitely been a tough week. You know, and, and I want to know before we get into some of the activities that I think people will be excited about is what was the the reason for this? You know, we we did a few weeks ago we did a, an interview that the listeners absolutely love with Donald Davidson, um, where we talked about as much as there's so many amazing things and memories happening on the track that there's so much more around it and the track itself is something that draws people in and they share that experience how, how did all this this come to it there's so many events we talked about the olympics being you know canceled and put off and so they didn't have a virtual olympics was it that this is just means so much to so many people that that they're appreciating this where did this come from where you decided to do this great stuff well i think we felt like this this week it was important to um you know celebrate what people have done for you know, since 1911, when the Indy 500 first ran, and and uh, giving folks an opportunity to tell their stories, and how are they going to celebrate Memorial Day weekend at home instead of instead of at the racetrack like they've done, and and um, NBC uh, putting on the special that they're going to do on Sunday that I think is at one o'clock Central Time, uh, and we we put together this really cool one hour pre-race um, at the racetrack 
with nobody. So normally you tune in and it's 300,000 people there and you tune in now and it's going to be nobody in the venue except the performers and a couple of drivers with Mike Tirico. And it, it just, the, the contrast between what it's normally like is, is pretty amazing. And we're kind of excited about that program uh, coming up uh, on Sunday. But we just felt like we couldn't just uh, not do something. And because the Indy 500 now is in August, unlike the Olympics, who I understand why they had to move it a year. It's a lot more logistics following it. We're still hoping uh, that we can get an Indy 500 in, and, and we want to keep our fans excited, and, and uh, this was the way we decided to do it. For those people, millions around the world that enjoy it on television and understand and make it a big part of what it is that they sit down in May in front of the television and do, for those people who keep track of it, you know, like clockwork, that this is their 20th year, their 30th year, that, that experience all of those things that go on around it. Give the listeners a little picture because there is, you know, whether it's the brunch, whether it's the bike ride, whether it's, you know, the radio stations. Talk a little bit about the things you have planned. Yes, and so normally right on Friday you've got music and a, and a concert, and then you got the parade on Saturday, the driver's meeting, and then and race on Sunday. So what we're trying to do right now is we've got a whole bunch of just virtual things. So we've got a um, you know, on on Saturday, we've got um, Legends Day presented by Firestone in a virtual way. I, I spent some time yesterday um, in the museum going through some of the cars and talking about stories behind those cars so that we could celebrate some of those legends. And then um, on on Carb Day, we're wanting people to play the music that REO and Six and some of their favorite some of their favorite Carb Day acts. And we've got um, you know several people that are having parties um, that are inside of the allowable number of folks um, in, in this market that I know are celebrating. And, the, and then on Sunday for us, we want people to uh, we want people to get up in the morning and, and do the things that they've done and be able to at least tune in uh, to a broadcast so they can continue, whether um, it, even though they're at home, they can continue some of those traditions with family and friends that get together every year at the Speedway. So those are, you know, those are kind of the highlights. And then, uh, and then we get through the weekend and then, uh, start focusing on our July racing weekend and then obviously August for, uh, for the Indy 500 and the 104th running. When it comes to the food, it is such a big part of it. We do a lot of that stuff here for yeah. WGN yep. Radio, which I will let you know uh, was, and this has been verified by uh, by Donald himself, was WGN Radio was the first radio station to actually broadcast parts of which is all they could do at that point, the Indianapolis 500. So we share a little bit of DNA with the Speedway and with the events itself. So when it comes to, like, of course, you got the great brunch and all of those things, the pageantry that goes with it. How are you guys going to do that where people can kind of make race-inspired or 500-inspired food so they can sit down and and enjoy that on Sunday as well? So, you know, it's it's been interesting to kind of watch how – and this is – I appreciate the – you know, the younger generation of professionals who've come out and really understand how to connect fans through social media and, uh, and, and getting them inspired to do different things. And you're right. Food is, is part of the experience, not just food that you buy at the race sack. In fact, it's probably more about the food that you pack in your own cooler, because that's one of the things, you know, a part of the tradition at the speedway is if you want, you can bring your own food in your own cooler. And, and I still remember as a kid going to the speedway, and my mom, the night before, I wanted a ham sandwich, and my dad always wanted a pepper, a peppercorn beef sandwich. And the only only time ever that we had it during the year was at the racetrack. And and so every year, my mom made the same kind of sandwiches with the mustard, and all, you know, packed them the same way. And and so the food that you eat at the racetrack is part of that experience. So we're trying to encourage people to, you know, to celebrate at home, and you know, keep some of those traditions that you would have in your cooler when you show up at the racetrack. And 
obviously in Indiana, tenderloins are big. So for the, a lot of the folks that show <laughs> yes. up at the racetrack and don't bring their food, they're buying tenderloins. So, you know, those are the things we're trying to get, encourage people to, you know, just enjoy your Memorial Day Sunday and, and the broadcast and, and, and celebrate with some of those some of those comfort foods that, that mean Indianapolis five. It is, right? Okay, and it is one of the lesser-known things. And to let the listeners know, we're talking with Jay Douglas Bowles, of course, president, Indianapolis Motor Speedway. is the virtual president and the real president coming up uh, <laughs> this weekend for, for the 500. But that is one of the things that makes it so special is that you do really customize your day on the food and the beverage side. And I don't know if there's any other – I know in other forms of motorsports you can go ahead and bring stuff in, but it is really something that is special for the 500. You can bring all your own stuff in. You don't see that in sports these days no you, you don't see that at all really i mean there are some like you said some racetracks that still allow it but we are one of the last facilities to do that and and it's really because of the tradition but honestly if if we had to figure out how to serve food and drink to 300,000 plus people we, we would we'd be in trouble right i mean we just don't have the capacity to do that so so really um yeah, to our fans who bring their own food and bring their own tour. And actually we, we pulled our fans. And if you said, um, how many people in your group, in, does somebody in your group bring a cooler? 80% of the groups, um, some, either they bring it or somebody in their group brings a cooler, um, to at least service part of the food and, and beverage requirements for that group when they come to the speedway. So it, it is a big part, um, of the tradition. And it's something that every year people say, Oh, is the speedway going to quit letting us bring, bring our coolers in thinking that we want to do it to make more money. And, and I, and I think I just told you the reason we, we can't is because I don't know that we could, I don't know that we could service that many people. Yeah. And, and for me being a race fan, it's about the tradition, right? You want to, you want to just continue that as long as we can. Yeah, if you're doing it right, that's the way that you're doing it. When it comes to traditions and new traditions that have been well-received, you and I have talked at length. Of course, Rutledge Wood is a regular uh, friend of the program, and NBC's relationship with the Indy 500, uh, with Indy Racing, with Motorsports, has just been, it's just been great. It's just been a great marriage in the way that they've gone ahead and and highlighted all of that action and, and everything that goes on. And so it, it continues. You've got Mike Tirico there, and you've got past champion Simon Pagino. You've got Alexander Rossi. For the people watching on Sunday and seeing that NBC broadcast, what are they going to see? Well, I, what they're going to see is, uh, like I said a little earlier, the, the, the first hour is uh, it's just going to be pre-race, like you would expect pre-race. So, but it's going to have a different, a little bit of a different feel. Um, some really cool stories. Um, I'm really excited about uh, God Bless America is, is being performed by uh, – the Mayo doctors who sort of gone viral, they actually came down and, and, uh, and performed on the yard of bricks with nobody in the venue. It's, it's magical. Um, big machine label group is going to have a pretty cool national anthem, uh, with folks like Cheryl Crow and others, uh, that'll kick things off. So we're excited about, about that piece of it. And then just the content with, with, um, with Simon, uh, and Alex is going to be great talking about their battle last year. And they actually got to get cars on track. Um, a couple of weeks ago, just the two of them. So just actually seeing cars on track, even though it was only two, uh, that fans are going to get a chance to see that. And then hearing comments from them on how uh, how the battle shaped up last year at the end of the Indy 500, and and um, how you know Simon ends up winning, but but what it meant to both of them battling back and forth. So I think it'll be a it'll be a real a really fun show and appropriately thanking 
uh, the men and women who served our country, but also the men and women who are in the front lines right now are helping us battle through COVID. Yeah, oh, definitely. And it's one of the magical things about the 500 is, the, is that the respect and the reverence uh, that the drivers, that the winners or anybody that's racing it have for the race and to hear them kind of share not only, you know, the action that everybody enjoyed, but also what was going through their minds and what it means to them is, I think, important. And then to build in all of that stuff, you mentioned you did a little pandemic pun there where you did mention that the Mayo doctors, like what they had done, had gone viral, right? Which is a little bit. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, a, yeah. A, a little levity there, but it's so great to build all of that <laughs> stuff in as we can kind of have some of the normalcy of the things that we really look forward to kind of with us, at least in some fashion coming up this weekend. So I know it's uh, it's hashtag 500 at home. It's IMS.com forward slash 500 at home. If I'm missing something, the broadcast NBC, I think it's 1 p.m. Central time and uh, Eastern time, of course, one hour later. Is there any other website where people can check out and get the schedule and all the stuff going on? No, I, I, I think you you hit them all really well. And, and uh, just thank you for your support of, of the event every year. And I, I miss uh, I miss seeing you down here and we'll uh, hopefully get a chance to see you in August. And, and mostly, you know, we just want to thank your listeners for, for caring about the Speedway and allowing me some time to, to talk to you about the, about a, an Indiana event that, frankly, is, a, is as much about a Midwestern event as, as an Indiana event. And, and uh, hopefully uh, people get a chance to tune in and we'll enjoy it. Yeah, you guys are the are the host for it. Indiana is the host, but it is America's event, and there's been a love affair, like I said, for so many years with it. So bless you guys for for putting it on and what we can do to kind of just take our time until August. So thanks, Doug. Appreciate everything you and your team are doing, and everybody you've wrangled for this uh, this major undertaking. And thanks for jumping on the show today. All right, sounds great. Thank you. Seven twenty WGN live high atop Chicago in the Skyline Studio uh, Memorial Day weekend and uh, on the line with us she's the co-president for media for Frommers she is the editorial director of all those best-selling guidebooks uh, that are available out there she's a host personality and a member of one of the first families of travel the one and only Pauline Frommer welcome to WGN well it's a pleasure to talk with you I love Chicago wish I was there now I'm in New York well I don't know if the weather's a little bit different we have been and and some people out there are saying that the fact that the weather is has been cold it's been cold and dreary we've had a couple nice days kind of sprinkled in there has kind of kept help people kind of stay inside and adhere to what they're doing so we don't have great weather Uh, we are a great destination as is New York but these are these are tough times these are certainly tough times, and yeah, no, the weather has helped us stay inside, too. It's been just drizzly here forever, but uh, as you know, as as everybody listening to you knows, now is not the time to travel, but it may be the time to, to plan some travel. Um, there's some interesting things happening in the world. Price is about to go up on some fronts, incredible deals on others, so I, I don't think it's wrong to be talking travel even though we really shouldn't be doing it right now well there are people and and we know there's been you know media reports and social media people are are feel kind of you know we're all confined and pent up and excited and and that is one of the things as far as whenever we can get back to whatever the new normal may be is that people are looking and it's crazy to hear you 
of all people say, hey, it's not the time to travel. But I think that just kind of shares kind of the gravity of the situation. But people are kind of hanging back thinking of possible opportunities, you know, that may come out of this, maybe a silver lining of sorts when it comes to the travel world. But maybe on the airline front, is that going to happen? We just saw on the news earlier that you know, they're saying some airlines are going to go out of business and it could be hit. How long do you think, whether it's the hotels or the airlines, that this kind of situation is going to, is going to last and impact the way things are done? It's hard to know. There have been studies done in the industry showing that when people get back to travel, the vast majority of them are going to do road trips, and they're not going to go more than 100 miles from home to start with. That's really bad news for the airlines uh, because, as you said, some of them are teetering. Now, when I say some of them are teetering, it's important to note not any of the major U.S. airlines. These are really the international ones that are are ones like Norwegian Airlines that used to do such great deals from Europe to the U.S. That one is in bad trouble, and there are a couple of others. The airlines first have to make the public feel safe when they travel. And so in their CEOs of these airlines, in their meetings with their investors, they've been telling them their plans for doing that, and they involve social distancing. Uh, the uh, CEO of Delta, the CEO of American, they've all said that they're going to be capping the number of people on the planes so that they can ensure that everybody gets a free middle seat, uh, that they won't be too close to anybody else. But that's going to come with a cost. Uh, The head of the International Air Transport Association said publicly the other day that he expects airfares to rise by 50% because the planes are going to be only 50% full. So what does that mean? That means If you have a grandmother who lives across the country, if you have a honeymoon coming up, if you have a travel urge that you need to scratch, now is the time to buy the airfare, maybe for the fall, maybe for early winter, maybe for late winter. Uh, But if you buy it now, you could lock in a price that could triple or quadruple because prices are going to increase dramatically once people start traveling again. Now, there are some risks in that. A lot of flights are getting canceled, so you may not be flying at the time of day you thought you were. They may change around the day of your flight. They may add, you know, you may have to do a stopover somewhere. Um, There's all kinds of uh, things that we don't know about, variables uh, that are unknown in doing this. But the One variable that seems likely is that prices are going to rise. So if you do have to travel in the next six months to a year, get the ticket now. That is great advice. And you're seeing, just as I guess they can anticipate the indecision that the traveler would have, is that they're building in some of those. I've seen some little caveats in there, like no change fees or, you know, money back if you can't do it or or something. You know, the things that normally would be kind of extras to be charged in, they're bringing it up in the front end, knowing that that's going to be a concern. But that's but that's great advice. You know, there are some activities that on the travel side of it, and, and we brought up a couple of them, whether it's, you know, visit the national parks or road trips where, you know, social distancing are kind of built into the experience. You know, you can do some of those, but some 
are the exact kind of thing that people I think will be, you know, resisting to do you know, like the, like a plane, you know, being stuck, even if you've got that seat in the middle, it's still yeah. kind of against the whole thing or the, or the cruise lines or even some of the, like the theme park situation. What, what have you heard back related to that? Because it's every bit of, of everything that we're not supposed to do. Well, we know that interestingly, Disney announced the reopening of its first theme park. Now, that theme park is in Shanghai. It's not in the United States. But uh, they've also talked with the press about how they're going to do it. They're going to have caps on the numbers of people they allow into the theme park each day. They may have one person per row on the roller coaster. Uh, They'll likely have everybody masked from the guests to the what they call the cast members, what we would call the staff of the theme park. Uh, they're going to have admission to the rides by apps rather than by standing in line. So you'll get a buzz on your app and you'll make your way to the next ride you're going on and you'll be whisked right on board. Uh, so it could be better for the people who go. And in, interestingly, <laughs> in Asia, some theme parks there have already reopened, and these are the types of things we're seeing there. Will people be too scared to go to theme parks? It's an open question. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Pauline, uh, with the glass half full, thinking, hey, you know what? This could be better, right? Because that's one of the downsides of the whole theme park specifically. Disney is that they're so crowded, right? And long wait times and all that. And if there's less people there, I think that could be seen as, as a plus. It kind of takes the kind of the ambiance away from all of it. Do you think they'll have, you know, Mickey Mouse have a mask on, even though, of course, it's a costume? Sorry, kids. But- <laughs> I would think the costume can act as a mask. I would hope they're not going to mask the mouse <laughs> <laughs> so so much a part of a lot of that and and kind of dovetailing both of those advices get your tickets to shanghai now right to make sure that 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 you can get over there for a great price and and get in on the theme park is that those hotels you know they're all a big part of it too we were talking as a family the other day is you, know, you got to think hotels are an essential business people do need places to go yeah. but but then again people aren't traveling so what are they and some of them have been repurposed you know for hospital reasons or things like that but for the most part can hotels I don't know if the staffs are huge. I mean, just the way that that business is built, is it is it a little more protected than maybe some others? Well, the hotels, too, have to have, uh, have an image problem, uh, that they won't be safe. And so that's what they're working on right now. They have been, all, all of the major chains have been putting out press release after press release about all of the new cleaning methods they're going to use. Some hotels and Airbnbs are going to keep properties or rooms uh, empty between guests. So anything that a guest exhales will hopefully die on the surface in the 24 to 48 hours that nobody goes into that room. The thing with hotels is we're going to see a lot of them go bankrupt probably or go out of business entirely. Some experts are suggesting that as many as 30% of all the hotels in the United States may simply vanish. So if you're doing a road trip, if you're doing any kind of travel, don't expect to be able to just roll into a town and find a place to stay. That may be more difficult. You're going to want to make sure you have that hotel room in advance. Plus, a lot of the amenities and perks that we used to look forward to at hotels may be gone, like that free buffet breakfast. 
they're not going to be doing buffets anytime soon. Um, uh, like the swimming pool might be closed. The spa may not be operating. Um, as well, in recent years, hotels have been built to amortize the amount of people they can cram into them. So you often have hotels with teeny tiny rooms, but glamorous, really great lobbies. And the idea used to be, ah, you'll just sleep in your room. Really, the hotel experience is in the lobby. That won't be the case right now. Most people are going to go right up to their room. There's probably going to be touch-free um, uh, check-in. So you'll probably have an app on your phone. You'll use that to open the hotel room door. You won't see anybody. You won't be hanging out in the lobby. So you're going to want to make sure that your room is the room that you want because that's going to be your vacation. Get one with a good view. Get one with some room uh, to it. Unlike airfares, uh, I don't expect hotel prices to go up. Okay. I expect those to be rock bottom for quite some time. Some of the reasons that people travel some of those destinations, you know, the, the mouse or, you know, a mountain range is pretty much impervious to to a pandemic. And so you can get out there and see some of those sites in nature. But some it's it's the food, especially if you're going to travel, you know, to, to France or Italy and you're going to try to try to experience some of that culture on the cuisine side and, and no business I don't know that has been as much as we've talked about the challenges of so many hit harder than the hospitality business, the restaurant business, the, the, the bar, the nightclub business. Like, where do you see that happening? And are there places around the world that are known as really kind of food destinations, other, other things to see as well, but people go there to kind of immerse themselves in that where they're really hard hit or, or where there's some opportunities maybe coming up to experience some things. Well, um, this is kind of a, a offshoot. Uh, this is side comment, but uh, the food in Sicily is amazing. And the Sicilian government recently announced that it would be subsidizing uh, purifications in Sicily. They're putting aside 500 million euros so that they can pay 50% of the cost of, of travel, uh, airfares what? to Sicily. They're going to be paying one out of every three hotel nights. Uh, they're going to make all museums and historic sites free for a certain period. Now, this hasn't, how they're going to do this sees up in the air. We know they've put aside the money. There's not yet a website for doing this. So Sicily will be a great foodie destination. California is being really smart in what it's doing to try and save its hotel restaurants. Yeah, the governor recently announced that the state will be paying restaurants to provide three meals a day to at-risk seniors. So restaurants across the state are going to be delivering breakfast, lunch, and dinner and be getting paid a good amount for them, uh, for those meals, an amount that could keep a lot of restaurants in business. Uh, I'm hoping that other states like Illinois, like New York, like Louisiana, that were known for their restaurants can be as far-sighted because you're right, foodie tourism is hugely important. And if restaurants disappear, that's going to kill tourism to many destinations. And tourism is, isn't just a, a trivial pursuit. Tourism accounts for one out of every 11 jobs worldwide. Yeah. 
it's a massive driver of the economy. Wow. Uh, so we're, I'm, I'm hoping that other governors will be as farsighted as Newsom of, of California has been. Yeah. And, and if you can think outside, well, to satisfy a need right there, because this is a way to, to kind of have it be a win-win for both. You know, you're not just spending money just to kind of keep things in suspended animation, just spending it. You're actually providing a public right. service at the same time. And I love the Sicily thing. You know, Pauline, we're kind of breaking some news here because that is it's one thing to lower you know maybe the costs or offer some deals or some discounts but to actually kind of cover some of those costs and pay for some of that where sicily is really being forward thinking here and seeing this as an opportunity i mean as, as crazy as it sounds as an opportunity yeah I, you know they're going to bring in more money than they they take out. Now, who knows when that's going to happen? What we're seeing now is many destinations are kind of canceling their summer travel seasons. Maine has announced that its quarantine uh, policy by which anybody coming in from out of state has to quarantine for 14 days, that's going to be in place through the end of July. So that's kind of killing most of the summer season there. The same for France. France has the same quarantine situation. Um, in uh, Ireland, hotels won't be opening until July, and pubs won't be opening till August. Can you imagine oh, uh, Ireland without its pubs? Oh, my gosh. I can't. It just boggles the mind. Well, uh, the other day, Greece announced an early date but they are expecting people who come to Greece from outside of Greece to have some kind of certificate showing that they have coronavirus antibodies and therefore can't get sick. This is a uh, something that the World Health Organization said is not something they recommend because there isn't enough scientific evidence to show that if you have the antibodies, you won't get sick again or get somebody else sick. But that's what Greece is, is pegging its hopes on. So they're going to open in June to visitors, but only visitors with these non-existent certificates that nobody is issuing. So. <laughs> well, well, we've seen sort of a blueprint for that. And we've talked, you know, nine uh, eleven, you know, kind of created entire other industries and vocations and like the TSA and all the different ways that we kind of approach the airport and air travel. It has changed. And, and I, I agree with you. And you're just you're. You're making people think, right, that this is going to be like the the world that we come out of as far as, you know, there may be some sort of you know health TSA situation to make sure that you're you're good to go. Last thing, and there's no substitute for being there. I was going to think, hey, you know, California or Sicily, but hey, if you're going to go to, I don't know if there's a virtual pub in Ireland you can go to, but but let's leave people with, with something that they can do. And I think that's another thing that's happened out of this, whether it's people working from home virtually or kids doing classes. We're seeing technology kind of merge with kind of needs. And on the travel side, what are some of the virtual ways people can sort of you know get out there? Oh, my goodness. There are so many. Um, to get their destinations front of mind with soon-to-be travelers, a lot of destination marketing organizations have created Zoom backgrounds. <laughs> so you can do your Zoom call in front of the Grand Canyon or in front of Uluru in Australia or uh, among uh, swimming penguins at the Monterey Aquarium. Um, so that's one cute thing we've seen. Uh, and we have a, a list of really, really great Zoom backgrounds on Fromers.com in alphabetical order. We just added London and uh, St. Petersburg, Florida. There's also virtual tours. These are wacky. The Faroe Islands 
is positioning a tour guide in the middle of a wilderness area, and anybody who goes onto the Faroe Islands app can then direct that person what they're going to do. So they can say, jump over that stream, grow, go into that forest, turn left, turn right. Um, I'm hoping no sadists get... Uh, yeah, tackle that tiger. <laughs> <laughs> right. So there's that. Airbnb experiences has wacky virtual experiences like meet the dogs of Chernobyl. There are stray dogs in Chernobyl that, that you, you'll get to meet or or meditate with a Buddhist monk in Japan. Learn how to meditate or um, learn how to tap dance or, you know, there's all kinds of interesting tours, we found as a rule of thumb, and we wrote about this on Fromers.com too, the best tours are actual tours with a live person. A lot of tourism sites are trying to fob off videos as tours. So you go and you watch a video and it's a little dull. But when you can interact, like there's a great tour uh, that one of our staff took of the catacombs of Paris with an actual guide. Now you're looking at videos, but she's narrating it and answering questions in real time. Uh. And our staffer felt like he had been to the catacombs before, but never had any idea what he was looking at and found it really fascinating. These kind of things are are necessary because it's all we've got at this point. But I know that something like that is, I don't know about the dogs of Chernobyl. Maybe this is their moment to shine. But, but down the road, like these kind of things are going to be with us because these are great. It's utilizing technology in new and innovative ways and being able to transport people and to be able to interact, right? You have, I'm imagining a tour guide with a GoPro and say, hey, what's that thing to the left? And they can look at it and describe it. I mean, it's, it's the next best thing. And I think some of that, even on the educational side, will be with us as we go forward. And, and the ambassador sharing, filling us in, sharing this time, this challenging time, and of course, the future when things are back to whatever normal is fromers will be there leading the way on the travel side so pauline i can't thank you enough uh, for taking time and, and uh, jumping on the show if you've got some social media or a uh, website you want to share so people can stay up with all the action yeah uh please come visit us at fromers.com f-r-o-m-m-e-r-s and just look for that name on pinterest on instagram on twitter or on Facebook. Right now, I'm actually the social media manager as well as everything else because we've shrunk a little bit. So you'll be talking to me if you uh, if you pose a question on social media. Well, the first family of travel, Pauline Fromer, and thanks so much for what you're doing, kind of being there in that storm. And, and thanks for being on WGN today. It was such a, such a fun interview. Thanks so much. 720 WGN. It is Dane here with you, high atop Chicago in the Skyline studio, and uh, we'll be here until 3 p.m. with you today, talking a little bit about some of the things that are going on, uh, Indy 500, stay at home, a little bit of travel, a little bit of food. We'll preview our big uh, Memorial Day barbecue special that's going to be coming up 12 till 3 on Monday, a little bit later on uh, as well, so stay tuned for that. Before, a little bit early, er in the program, we were talking with, uh, with Griffin about the drive-in movie phenomenon yeah and, you were less interested in it than i think i was expect than, than i am at least i'll say well when when you're open to the idea <laughs> i think it's because you're imagining great movies that might be fun to have in an outdoor setting right be, eating outside is is nice it's fun outdoors mm-hmm. being outdoors is nice we're kind of cooped up a little bit so maybe that's part of it but um what i remember is all the things on the quality of of kind of the movie watching experience that just weren't 
just weren't there. So in your mind, you're probably hearing great sound. You're probably <laughs> seeing a clear picture. I imagine if it's raining, you know, I, I just, <laughs> I just, I just don't know. But yeah. I, I think if you could do it in maybe a, maybe my more of a condensed format, because some of these situations, at least I remember I was small. So maybe the fact that it seemed so big was partly related to that is that you were so far away and it was yeah. a little bit like you had mentioned that maybe you're just there having fun. You know, some people sitting in the back of a pickup truck in lawn chairs right. or you're sitting on top of your car or you go there with a group of friends. Some of them that um, you smuggled in the trunk. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. and and, uh, and so maybe that's it. So is there is there a movie if you had to you seem open to mm. it, Griffin. It is, and if you maybe talk to your your dad or family members or whoever that had experienced it, is there a movie that you think this would be a fun outside movie? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, definitely. I wouldn't. I would want to see something I've seen before, so you're not worried about catching everything, like <laughs> you, you can said. Just rely on your memory for all the things <laughs> you can't see or hear. <laughs> but and uh, that would be more fun anyway. I maybe like Jaws or you know a classic sort of blockbuster uh, like that or Alien. I just watched Alien for the first time. Uh, about what a week you, ago, and I loved it, and okay. I was thinking I would do that again. You know, something like that. A, a great movie, but still something fun that would get people out. I'm sure that's what they're looking at now, too. Like, when they do these outdoor screenings, even if it's not a drive-in, it's always, like, The Sandlot or... Yeah, it's not Frozen 2, you know, I mean, it's... Well, it could be. Sometimes they skew for kids, or but they'll do, like, Finding Nemo or something that everyone's seen a million times, but yeah. it's just, you know, you know people like it. It, and it is more maybe of a of a nice you know night out or a way to experience things than let's say you're going to kind of take in every element of of kind of that next big. Hit, I think you're underestimating movie. how badly people just want to get out and do anything. Like it could be anything. <laughs> well, I like the idea of 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 Jaws or yeah. or one of those where you're really kind of tapping into not only seeing things in a in a way that people used to do it, but also in that movie. I'm sure Jaws was a huge hit at drive-ins back. Oh, in, I'm sure, the, yeah. The late 70s. Well, we wanted to get into this, and we'll talk a little bit more about it later on in the program. But so Disney Plus is is one of those streaming services as more of them come online. And and I think it is the most it's really a great value, especially if you have kids. I think it's around six dollars and it has every single one of those Disney movies. Some of those you had to wait till they were on television uh, or wait till you could see them or buy them. Right. And then it's got all the Marvel movies. And and I, I think it really gives you an insight into the scope. That, that Disney has is you think of you know the mouse and the character and the enchanted <laughs> castles, but they've got a lot of stuff. In the last twenty years or so, they've become a completely different company with all the acquisitions they made. The they have Pixar and Star Wars and Marvel now, so it's all kinds of stuff. It's not just uh, what you traditionally think of Disney. I don't have Disney Plus myself, but I don't have kids. Uh, yeah, and I'm not I'm not like an enormous fan of those other things. So, but I was looking through this list and I. There's more on it than I realized there was. It's not all that, just that stuff. There's all these other things, too, more adult movies that I wouldn't expect to see there. So we can talk more about that later. Yeah, yeah. And then they're bringing in Hamilton, too. So stay tuned for that. We'll talk a little bit about them coming into a whole other sector, the theater goer uh, for Hamilton. So we're going to take a break. and we come back, we'll have more. It's Dane here on 720 WGN. 720 WGN. It is Dane here with you. High atop Chicago Skyline Studio over a beautiful uh, Chicago, Chicago River on what is a great weekend. It is the kind of um, uh, Memorial Day weekend, obviously an important time to to think about, um, appreciate, and recognize our men and women in uniform who have uh, paid the ultimate sacrifice. And we'll be doing a lot of that 
uh, this entire weekend and, of course, during our big show coming up on Monday, Memorial Day. Uh, observe, but it's also a big day for you know, kind of the kickoff to summer. And one of those things is that we were talking uh, before the last break about uh, drive-in theaters and and some of the ways people are consuming things. That is a thing to the past. It's getting a little more attention. But uh, Griffin had mentioned you know Disney Plus. He does not have Disney Plus, although I think it is a value enough to where even if you get nothing or almost nothing from it. I think it's a valuable investment, maybe even for a guest. Let's say you have a certain special someone over and they happen to love the Toy Story franchise. Uh, this is an opportunity because it's only $6 uh, a month. And, and they have worked, not only has Disney just, I guess, through that process of having a widely successful kind of giant, you know, monopolistic media yeah. entity, which they've done, but they've tried to find some value adds and try to branch out into new and different audiences that doesn't always lend itself to, to cartoons and paper mache headed characters and theme parks. And so you had mentioned that they were going to have Hamilton. Now Hamilton for the listeners, the uninitiated, maybe the non theater goers, I think everybody still knows what it is. You, maybe, you know, cats, maybe, you know, wicked and you know, Hamilton, as far as, even if you never went to a play, you know that it happened, I guess seasonally you could consider uh, the Nutcracker in there as well, but Hamilton is as big as it gets, and it was almost aspirational entertainment, right? It, would, yeah. it was a, it was like a like a status symbol if you had been to Hamilton or how, true, yeah. how many times you could go. My brother in law Oliver is a, he's a big fan of theater, and he loved Hamilton so much that he would continuously try to get tickets and find tickets, and sometimes he'd be sitting partly behind a pole or partly not, or maybe dead center in front. <laughs> He's he's been to it like fifteen times. Was he always entering the lottery or or just various means of he's, getting his hands on? He's tickets? really good at that kind of thing. So yeah. he would be the guy that's up at two in the morning when they release <laughs> things, or he's also the guy that's in tune enough to know that even though this is an obstructed view ticket, you can still see really well. He travels independently a lot. You know, he'll go with other people, but he's has no problem you know, going to the theater by himself, and so he has that thing. Uh, pretty much dialed in, and uh, and he's been probably 15 times to Hamilton, and so obviously there's a financial investment in as well. I have never been to Hamilton, but I'm, I, you know, obviously I'm aware of how important it is and and how entertaining it is, and I would love to have the kids go. We've got three kids, and so you're looking at it's three kids or or a cruise. I guess now you can't take cruises, so so maybe that. he went 15 times. He couldn't throw you one of those tickets. He couldn't have gone 14 times and let you go once. I, you know, hey, I think, let's <laughs> stuff Griffin. Let's stuff the suggestion box because. <laughs> but I would want to go. I'm, I don't know that I'm that whole go by myself person. I right. would want to be. Hey, isn't this great? I'd want to have either my wife with or, or yeah. one of the kids with. So I don't know that I enjoy it all by myself maybe it's supposed to be amazing well now getting back to what we were talking about is disney plus right it's an interesting acquisition for them to be the people releasing hamilton which is not of course not a disney property but it you can kind of see why they would want it it is mostly family friendly it's not like squeaky clean but for them you could watch it with your kids and i and i think feel fine about it so have you seen it Griffin? yeah yeah okay so you say this and you've got that context that it's not squeaky clean is is it because the profanity is is like ancient profanity or <laughs> or that it's it's outdated and it's you know like uh there's not much profanity i don't think you know a, a little bit but nothing what really objectionable, about? but there's a couple like story elements, you know, things with infidelity and oh, gotcha. stuff that m you might make you a little uncomfortable with your kids. But I think for the most part, it, there's really nothing to worry about. Yeah. And you can just gloss over stuff like that if they have questions. Just it's distract. like, ah, don't worry about it. He here, was in trouble. It's here, fine. Here, eat this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
when I had first heard it and it was when you sent me over some of the things and, and maybe I'm out of touch and I'm sure it's been well known for, for quite a while is I, I mentioned that to my wife and she was like, that's amazing. That would be great to be able to. And, and I know that and, and people who love and appreciate the theater to the extent that it should be uh, really, I'm sure they'll say that there's no substitute for seeing it, you know, live and in person and, and with all of the, the things, the accoutrements of the theater experience, you know, the playbill and the, and the, and the, you know, intermission and maybe the snack bar. Um, but to have the kids be able to experience it, because from what I understand, it is a, it, they took one of the regular like Broadway performances, right? They And they filmed it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And with the original cast, I think, I might be wrong about that, but uh, at least with some of the original cast. And like you said, it's not a substitute or whatever, but it's just not feasible. It's not realistic to think that everybody can go. So, uh I don't think there's anything wrong with this being the way that you see it. Yeah. You know, you got you to do what you got to do. And I, I think that's just as good. Not just as good, but, you know, close enough. <laughs> now, do you feel, having having seen it in its in its intended and pristine form, and if it's just, <laughs> if it's just a, like, I think, maybe good seats, not obstructed view seats, you know, where you've got the camera, if they've got multiple camera angles, because Cats came out as a movie, and it was, was widely... <laughs> widely panned although it was a very successful uh theater performance was it oh yeah in broadway right in broadway like cats like the it was the the, most probably the most successful show of all time yeah yeah but then you have the um you have the movie version of it i don't know how close it was to the theater version (laughs) not at all (laughs) i mean they had people dressed as cats i saw that in the trailers but that's the difference though in in the in the broadway show they're just dressed up in the movie they tried to cgi to make them into real cat and it it got stuck in the uncanny valley where people just got too (laughs) creeped out i think the broadway show was already creepy enough and then you push it even further and people were very much like no 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 they were actually supposed to be showing the movie cats at the music box this past week they had it planned for months and months ahead of time and then they did of course had and, to cancel it but um oh the plan was to bring it back into theaters just so people could go and laugh at how horrible it, <laughs> i mean it was horrible it was yeah people i still haven't seen it so i can't really speak to it i guess well it brought out a lot of people and i mentioned my brother-in-law oliver and, and what he had mentioned he was he was part of the whole group that was trying to come out and say as successful as cats may have been that it really was terrible the whole time and it was never any good and there's really only one song of note that's um uh you know that's really any good and right, and, right. and maybe it was just a phenomenon and not really like a great theater experience right that's hilarious yeah well yeah he's been to many shows so he has things to weigh it up against yeah. and uh, is maybe a bit of a snob and i mean that in a good way um, so yeah, those, those people are probably not the biggest fans. I don't really have a take on cats. <laughs> it's in the uncanny Valley, right? It's a zip code <laughs> that you don't often find yourself. It is true though. It's strange to. that it's like such an, an immensely famous show. And I only know what most people only know one song from it. That is very odd. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of mishandled. So, so back to, um, do, do we know when Hamilton will be available? Is it going to be the kind of thing that is a limited run? Because it, I think it would be the type of property that you'd want to maximize, you know, where you may even build that in. I mean, it's it's like so head and shoulders over almost anything in in recent memory, right? Where where there are people now, Griffin, you've you've seen Hamilton, but I and I don't know, are you a regular theater goer? Because I think no, Hamilton not really, no. is the kind of thing that even if you don't normally go to the theater, that you would try to find. It's almost appointment TV, as you would find a way to get in there and see it before right. before it was gone. I think it'll. Uh... It comes to Disney Plus on July 3rd. I believe it'll stay there 
indefinitely. I mean, that's kind of how that's supposed to work, I think, is they'll leave it forever. Yep. And <laughs> I, that, I think that's that's how their business plan has worked for everything else on the streaming service up until now, so I don't see why this would be different. And it is the kind of thing that I've seen the show once, but, you know, you, you miss a lot when it's live in front of you, so... I would even be interested in signing up for Disney Plus just for a week to just check this out. And then (laughs) the idea is they'll keep you. But either way, you can you can cancel it before your week, your free week is up or you can stay and start paying. So you've got a plan. Well, I think I think it's interesting (laughs) that they seem to think that they're not and it's not broke. Don't fix it kind of company. And they're trying to expand their their audience and their their viewer and until i guess maybe they take over everything so it is interesting to see that i mean right now it's more important than ever i my theory is that they probably pushed this up that they were planning on releasing it later and they're so starved for content because disney has been cut off from every way it could possibly make money right now the parks are closed there's no sports so espn can't do anything they can't put movies in theaters so. oh my gosh that's you you just will have to do a, sort of a charitable fundraiser some kind of a <laughs> <laughs> i'm not weeping for disney was, by any means but but, <laughs> but those are huge those those theme parks are huge economic engines yeah and uh, and a lot of the stuff that they get so but it's interesting to see and uh, people are watching stuff during the pandemic. They're also kind of going back to school and education. We talked about it uh, during one of the breaks. It's never too late to go back to school, even Barbecue University, or uh, to learn how to make some great sauces. So we're going to take a break, and we come back. We're going to have Ray Sheehan. He has written uh, a fantastic book that will teach you how to make amazing, award-winning sauces, some of them the best on the planet, and a lot of diversity and some great stuff you can incorporate into your into your barbecue this, uh, this weekend and going forward. Quick break. It's Dane here on 720 WGN. Sunshine. Good day, sunshine. Good day, sunshine. I need 720 WGN high atop Chicago in the Skyline Studio here on Memorial Day weekend and on the line with us. We've got a guy who's won awards, top awards at Scovey and BBQA Awards of Excellent, voted best. Barbecue sauce on the planet at the American Royal, and that is some serious high praise. Uh, of course, you add in the award-winning efforts as a barbecue team and pit master, and now he's the new author of the book, The Award-Winning Barbecue Sauces and How to Use Them, The Secret Ingredients to Next Level Smoking. He is the barbecue Buddha himself, Ray Sheehan. Welcome to WGN. Hey, thank you for having me. Oh, this is great to have you. I feel like we're this is like inside baseball here. Usually the sauces are kept closest to the vest. This is the key, right? This is the you're cracking the code here, and you got like Bob Trudnick, R.D. Davis, Tuffy Stone, so many more have voiced support for the new book. So it's got to feel great to have the great saying, "Yeah, Ray's got this." Yeah, when you when you have us, you know, some barbecue Hall of Famers uh, giving you endorsements, uh, that is a that's a huge know accomplishment to me and i'm very grateful for that i worked really hard uh, to make comprehensive book that you would want to have uh, with you whenever you're smoking or grilling oh this is this is it there, there are so many things that you can do on the meat side that is certainly one thing but if you look at on the competition side you know what people have as far as the sauce and, it, and it's a huge part of the of of kind of the equation of the economy too here in chicago you know our hometown Guys, you know, we've got you know, Dave Raymond, Sweet Baby Ray's. It takes up a bunch of the uh, of the aisle. You've got Lily Q's. You've got, of course, Famous Dave's got a great line of sauces. There are so many of them out there. So there's no, 
I think, end to the selections that you can find great stuff in the grocery store. But oh, to yeah. be, be able to make it yourself, I think, is, it, ab- is absolutely amazing. There's so many great sauces, and to win these awards is, I mean, it's like uh, when you're sitting there waiting for the announcement, it's heart-wrenching. It's, you know, you're like, okay, what's going to happen? But there's so many greats out there to be recognized in this industry at all is just, I'm very grateful. It's a testament to the natural ingredients. Like, so when I build my sauces, there's no artificial colors, flavors, preservatives, there's no MSG. And when we use these products in competition and when it's a sauce contest, it's going up against such a huge assortment of different sauces that may have those types of ingredients in them. And so to win these awards, with natural ingredients is uh, is just really gratifying. Yeah, people got to love that. They they love. It's one thing to taste good. There's a lot of things out there that taste good that are terrible for you. And so if you can use it, you know, with with natural ingredients and and healthy choices, there, I think that you're you know you're a step ahead of the game. Well, when it comes to kind of diversifying some of the sauces for this, you know, you can't have a book that's just one sauce and. When we talked a little bit off the air, is that when you got with the publishers, it's like, sure, you've got you know some amazing sauces, award-winning ones, you've got some, but then you've got some more kind of bullets in the gun, so to speak. You have a lot of other expressions out there on the sauce side. Oh, yeah. Um, so the, the book features 10 sauces that have basically helped me win awards in cooking, or they've won their own sauce awards. And, and, and that includes my most awarded sauce for my Memphis mop. You know, like you said in the intro, it's won a ton of awards. The proof is in the pudding. You really got to try it. You got to make it. You know, and it's and it's actually something that's even a little bit lower in sugar than uh, a lot of these other commercial sauces. So it does it does include the Memphis Mop, the Kansas City, and then it runs the gamut. You know, everywhere from South Carolina mustard to Kansas City sweet and smoky, um, even the Alabama white sauce and uh, Asian barbecue sauce and uh, all the ingredients that you would need for these uh, recipes are, are they're pretty standard. I mean, there's maybe one or two ingredients in the whole book that you may want to get from a specialty food store. Like in the Asian, there's black garlic, which is a really amazing secret ingredient. Wow. But you could always substitute roasted garlic for that if you didn't have it. And it's it's got a lot of, you know, your favorites, everything from like tailgate favorites, like moink balls, uh, which are... Uh, you know, meatballs, uh, beef meatballs wrapped in bacon and smoked and glazed to uh, entrees, even salads. There's So there's a lot of different ways to use the sauces in the book besides just glazing and dipping. You know, there's there's 10 sauces and then 50 ways to use them. And, and so everything from brisket and burnt ends to, you know, uh, lollipop chicken legs, there's a lot to offer there. Even like homemade chicken fingers, I'm sure, because we got some kids, that's t- that's all they want to eat is chicken fingers. And so if you can come up with your own sauces, I think that would be cool. So I think of the sauce making side of it. And of course, you would talk to, you know, all of the people and personalities in the culinary world and certainly all of the barbecue people. And so you've got that food side of it. And a lot of times science comes into play when it comes to sauces and the making of them. You're a master. So this all comes kind of naturally to you. But for the listeners out there, like how hard are there levels of difficulty with the different sauces? Or if you just kind of pay attention, do what it says, you're going to come out all right. Yeah, I think if you it's like I said, it's these are very accessible recipes. If you've never made a sauce before, these are super easy to make. Um, It's just knowing the right proportions and, and and having that recipe in front of you and then using it as a blueprint. So once you have 
you know, let's say the, uh, the honey barbecue sauce down, maybe you want to add a secret ingredient to it, whether it's caramelized onions or, you know, could be beef drippings, maybe not in the honey, but like in the Texas barbecue sauce, I would definitely use a little bit of brisket beef drippings in there to just to layer the flavors. So my, my point is that, yes, they're very accessible. And it, like I said, if you've never made sauce before, this just makes it easy. This gives you a base and you can have these sauces just the way they are, or you could make them your own. Are there, you know, there's things, there's certainly things that you gravitated towards uh, in the beginning when you started out and, you know, with the Memphis mop sauce and the winning stuff. And of course you've got the ability to make any of them, but are there some that, that are more of your favorites? I know you put out there things that you knew people would like, or that you think people would really benefit from another guest for weekend is a good longtime friend, Chris Lilly, of course, Alabama white sauce. You've got that uh, in the book as well. And are there some that are your favorites? Are there some that maybe you're like, eh, if you like it, here's a way to make a really great one. But, or are there things that are just, you know, your go-tos every time? Well, my, my baby is the Memphis mop sauce. That one is carrot because I have, that's my company is barbecue Buddha is my company. And I have bottled sauces and seasonings through that. And, and the Memphis was the first product that I came out with. And, uh, it's, it's really been a winner for us. Um, but as far as the other ones in the book, like I really love the cherry bourbon barbecue sauce. Nice. Yep. And it, because I love, I love cherries and I love bourbon and to marry them into a sauce, you know, you, you get that, like, um, that almost like a, a smoky caramelized kind of, uh, tones with the bourbon. And they really play, they play really nice off the uh, tartness of the cherry juice in, in that recipe and awesome on, on ribs and, and pork in general. Something else that I really love is Carolina sauce because it's so versatile. The, the the South Carolina mustard, you know, I use it in a vinaigrette. I use it to uh, glaze the uh, pork, and it's one of those things you can almost just eat it right out of the jar. You know, so <laughs> I mean, yeah, I do have you know ones that I like a little bit better than others, but these are the ones that have pretty much you know made it for me. Not that anyone but should I, ever attempt to deviate from uh, from the mastery here. And let the listeners know, of course, we're talking with the barbecue Buddha himself, Ray Sheehan. Uh, his new book, Award-Winning Barbecue Sauces and How to Use Them, The Secret Ingredient to Next Level Smoking. When we talk with uh, some, of, you know, some of the competition guys and some of the very top guys, you know, they'll take a sauce that is great. Let's say it's Blues Hog or one of the other ones, and they'll sort of doctor it up a little bit. Is there any kind of latitude built into what it is that you've got here for people to, you know, hey, if you want to maybe kick it up on the spice level, if you want to do that, any any oh, yeah. suggestions there, or is this the kind of thing, just stay on the path? Well, it, I, I look at it like, um, you know, I worked in fine dining for a long time, and the chefs in fine dining, you know, you'll find they don't put like salt and pepper on the table because when they make a dish, it's already seasoned. Right, right, right. Right. So you get to the table and you're like, Hey, I think it needs a little bit of this or that. And, and to that end, I would say these recipes are great the way they are, but I encourage people to make them their own. And if you want, you know, that sweet and smoky Kansas city barbecue sauce, this is a little bit of a sweeter sauce, but if you want to, you know, like a nice kick at the end, add it. If you want, if you want to add, you know, um, a little bit of uh, a sweetener to the bold Texas barbecue sauce, to, you know, cause you like it a little bit different. Or like I said, if you wanted to add like a beef drippings or, 
um, you know, bourbon to another sauce or something, I encourage it, you know, create, you want to, I want people to be creative and to, you know, uh, have fun with it. Oh, that's cool too. And, and some of these other fun ones, adding in some of the fruit, we mentioned the cherry bourbon, but you got the tangy peach in there as uh, well. And some ways to use that. I think people will love that one. I actually, uh, a friend of mine who's in Omaha, he, he started making the sauces for the first time from the book and he didn't have, he, he, which one was it? He didn't have cherry juice. So he used peach juice and he made peach bourbon barbecue sauce. And he's like, this is outrageous. I love it. I love your recipe. And I'm like, all right, I'm taking notes now. What did you make? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. Well, so it, peach bourbon is good too. Yeah. Well, okay. And here's the thing for the listeners out there. Don't think that Ray's just left us hanging with, you know, great sauces to put on the stuff that we're making. He's got recipes to go with each and every one of them. You know, with the pork bellies, that's been a hit. People have been loving that stuff and making it. And I think the Asian barbecue sauce, that and that flavor profile go really well with with a lot of that stuff, but there's a bunch of different dishes. If you had to recommend a couple dishes, regardless of sauce, right? The ones that like, even if maybe that's not your favorite sauce, try this dish. It goes awesome with it. Are there a couple you'd suggest from the book? So throughout the book, you have all these great sauces, but it, it's not just, uh, it's not just sauces. Let's say there's so many different recipes for rubs and brines and marinades throughout the book that are scattered throughout the book to really keep your food tender and moist, right? So I love, um, one of my favorite things to cook is brisket and burnt ends. So um, besides brisket and burnt ends, I have to say I really love the Cubano stuffed pork tenderloin. That really makes a great presentation. Um, you're going to marinate the pork tenderloin with the mojo, and then you're going to slather it with your mustard sauce and then build it with Swiss and ham and pickles, and then you're going to grill it. I mean, it's, it's a, there's a few steps to it, but it's a really impressive dish. And then on the, a little bit of the easier side, I really love uh, Brussels sprouts, so I wrap them in bacon just so I can get a wait healthier a minute, dose wait of bacon in my diet. Right, we have to stop you there. I think that if we go back and rewind the tape, the I really love Brussels sprouts, so I wrap them in bacon. Is it more accurate maybe to say I can barely tolerate Brussels sprouts, so I wrap them in bacon? Is maybe that more closer to the truth? Um, no, I really love Brussels Okay, sprouts. all right. I, I really do, but I, I, I guess I love bacon more. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. The book is, I, is beautiful. So many great pictures in there as well. And like you said, the rubs, the brines, all of that uh, expertise and knowledge in there along with just kind of like a Bible of sauces, you know, from that kind of stuff too. And since it is Memorial Day weekend, of course, I'm sure – where you are, this is a nonstop 24-7 thing, so that you don't have a season for grilling and barbecue. But some people out there in the listening audience need maybe a, a day to take off their, their white loafers or put on their summer clothes or whatever it is or to fire up the grill. So what is a Raytheon doing when you can do absolutely anything? What do you usually kind of build into like a, a Memorial Day weekend or one of those traditional kind of grilling holidays? Um, actually, I have a new grill coming today, and I'm <laughs> going to be putting it together trying it out so i'm pretty excited for that what is it i mean you, you could go ahead and mention you don't have to but you can if you want what, what are you getting sent to you it's uh it's a monolith grill it's uh the barbecue guru edition of the mo it's a monolith and it's uh, it's a komodo style cooker and i'm really excited to get it 
Oh, wow. Well, you have to keep us posted on how that goes and maybe Definitely. post some pictures and everything that you've got. So we're going to have links up for the book. I know that um, the publisher and you've been generous enough that we're going to have a book we're going to be able to give to listeners away a little bit later on the program. We'll have links up at WGNRadio.com. But, Ray Sheehan, if people want to you know, keep up with all your adventures, social media-wise, see what it is you're doing, where you're going to be, even in these challenging times as far as people getting around, where can they go? Uh, basically, uh, come to the website. It's bbqbuddha.com it's bbqbuddha.com or on facebook uh, facebook.com backslash award-winning barbecue sauce he will have links i said uh, and again up at wgnradio.com he is the bbq buddha ray Sheehan, thanks so much for uh, taking time happy memorial day and thanks for jumping on the show today thank you so much for having me i had a great time Seven twenty WGN live high atop Chicago in the Skyline Studio uh, Memorial Day weekend and uh, and a time of year that sports fans around the world, motorsports fans everywhere, of course, in the Midwest here, you know, part of our life sort of that rite of passage as we kick into summer is the Indianapolis Five Hundred. Is all of the goings on at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway? We've talked so many times about how so much of that experience and tradition transcends even all the amazing stuff that happens on the track. And on the line with us is a, a guy who has worked in and around some of the biggest sporting events and sports in the world, tennis, the Pan Am Games, the Super Bowl, and, of course, motorsports. He's the CEO of Penske Entertainment. He's the one and only Mark Miles. Mark, welcome to WGN. Hey, Dane. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. No, it, it is great for you to take time out in what is a busy, imagine that, a busy weekend. Everybody's kind of dealing with this in, in their own way. Everything is different for everybody. There's no playbook with this. But when you have been a part of putting on some of the biggest sporting events in the world, you know, like the Super Bowl or Pan Am Games, does, does any of that experience help when kind of putting together what is a virtual Indy 500 weekend? Yeah, undoubtedly that it has. You know, you get old enough, long enough in the tooth, and it all adds up, and maybe there's some wisdom in it. But I think about, you know, a number of uh, occasions when we just couldn't let ourselves be distracted by things we couldn't control. So one example, you know, we did have the 2012 Super Bowl here, and if you if your fans, your listeners think about it, you know, for some of that year, there was a lot of talk about a strike and the possibility that there wouldn't even be a Super Bowl or that the date would change it, what have you. Lots of uncertainties. And we just, you know, we just learned again that you got you to gotta deal with all the contingencies, triple the effort to plan for whatever might happen, be ready as best you can for, for anything, and, and not let yourself get distracted or slowed down, or, you know, there's, there's no woe is me around here. People, um, you know, just have to understand how how we've got to play the cards we're dealt, and uh, and I hope that's what we're doing this weekend and and for the rest of the IndyCar season. Well, bless you guys, and I know that a lot of fans, motorsports enthusiasts, everybody, understandably, has been you know just really chomping at the bit, waiting on the sidelines, hoping for when their favorite sports can get. Uh, can get back going again, and when it comes to the to the Indianapolis 500, it is so much more than just than just the track. And, and you mentioned, okay, we can at least we can do something. You guys have gone 
over and above. And I want to know where that motivation comes from when, you know, sports, you know, they just cancel it or just kick it down the road or just say, we'll get back to you. But you felt the need, you guys felt the need to be able to offer something, not even something, a lot of things to fans to kind of help them at least have that feeling and kind of get their, their Indy 500 kind of fixed during this weekend. So share some of the things that you've built in here because you guys have multi days going on, including of course that broadcast coming up tomorrow on NBC. Yeah, well, look, we understand the role of, of uh, the Indianapolis 500-mile race. If you're a sports fan, if you're a motorsports fan, chances are you know Memorial Day equals the Indianapolis 500-mile race, and you look forward to it. If, if you're from Chicago, and particularly if you're from Indiana, if for so many people it's part of their family's culture and, their, and the rituals of the Memorial Day weekend. And we we could anticipate that having had to postpone the, the race to late August, uh, there's going to be a void. And, man, are we feeling it now. I mean, we're here in Indianapolis, and I'm looking out uh, from my window in our office, and I can see people just standing around outside the gates. You know, what, what do we do? And normally <laughs> the place would be slammed with uh, and, and huge fun. So we knew there'd be this, not, not just an entertainment void, not just a sports void, but almost a, uh, a cultural void, you know, the closer you get to Indianapolis, what can you do to fill that knowing that it isn't going to be a live race? Let me start with what happens on race day. This is really, I think going to be exceptional. Every sports fan was glad when, I mean, the first thing that happened, right. was all the broadcasters started showing archival sports. What happened last year or the great events of the past and that sort of thing. And they got a little creative and they, Zoom in uh, commentators or athletes that participated for their thinking about what happened at that moment, however many years prior. We said, you know, we own a television production company, and NBC is a great partner with us, so we can take that a whole lot farther, and we can recreate or create new a number of the components, particularly of our our, our pre-race part of the 500 every year. So Mike Tirico, God bless him, greatest guy in the world. You know, he was the lead presenter, the host last year for the first year NBC had the 500. He drove down from his home in Michigan. Last week, we got our television production company out here. He stood alone on the yard of bricks, right, start-finish line. And he does this soliloquy that is about what America is going through, what we've gone through, what's supposed to happen, you know, on, on, in that place on that day, but isn't. And I'm telling you, one person down there in this huge, empty stadium in front of the grandstands on the the main straightaway just is so compelling. And then we got two doctors from Mayo, Dr. Francois and Robinson. They're musicians. They're getting a big social following because of their their musical skill and their tributes they're paying to uh, frontline workers in the COVID uh, pandemic. They came down. We put a grand piano on the Art of Bricks, and one plays and the other sings God Bless America. It, it is just incredible. I guarantee you, people at Oakland are going to be crying uh, when they see this. And then we got Simon Pagino, last year's winner, and Alexander Rossi to the track and with their cars, not in, the, in their suits. Uh, they're interviewed by Tariko, who does a great job of bringing out of them what they've been going through these months, uh, what it was like last year, and all the rest of it. But then we brought their cars, the 22 and the 27 car out. Wow. And they did get suited up. It was so cool, you know, to, to hear that sound again. 
when it's so silent otherwise was was fantastic and that's part of the footage of this pregame and on and on and on that the uh national anthem will be sung by cheryl crow and florida georgia line and Bradley Gilbert and Thomas Red, it's 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 an all star thing. You know, around the country the Blue Angels flew over a lot of cities. Yes, they did. One call to our friends in DC and their route got altered a little bit and they flew over the, the pagoda at the speedway and that's part of the show. So it's just on and on and it's it I just think it's uh it's gonna be uh cutting edge for the kind of sports television we've been able to take in as Americans the last several weeks. And, and a fitting tribute to what we're missing this year. Just to be as, as kind of innovative and resourceful, they're kind of thinking of what everybody's going through and taking that uh, a responsibility on and say like, hey, well, let's let's do something. You know, we've have everybody excited about it and geared up for it, and let's go ahead and and make this happen. Let the listeners know we're talking with Mark Miles, CEO of Penske Entertainment. Of course, they handle the the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, IndyCar, IMS Productions. In all of that, was this something that that a lot of these partners? Because here's the here's the other side of it too. As much as the fans love it, the drivers absolutely love it and are excited about it. And all of those partners that play a part in those different events throughout the course of it. You you bring up Florida Georgia Line. You bring up you know all of the celebrities. Did they come to you guys and say let's figure out a way to do something, or did you put the bat signal out and say you know what I know the race is pushed back, but we're going to make it happen? To be perfectly frank, with respect to the telecast on the 24th, this Sunday, NBC confirmed for us they were saving four hours of national television, and then we went to work. Gotcha. And NBC at that time, their studios were shut down. So it was really the fact that we had the, the assets and the talent within our company that gave us the confidence that we could pull off something special. And of course, NBC got way into it as well, as they could open up a little bit. But there's a lot of other things going on. That are, that are really cool. You kind of referred to them in an earlier question. And I'd say part of it is us just widen, riding the wave. I mean, all over central Indiana, at least, people are having real or virtual porch parties. So they hang out the checkered <laughs> yes. flags. You know, they may do it on Zoom, or they may, as, as conditions open up a little bit, they may be doing it with some friends or family. There was Friday, Fashion Friday, so if you woke up here and you saw the media personalities on the affiliates, it, almost all of them wear something checkered every Friday morning in May. They, they kind of carried us because I think they're so used to the rhythm, almost ingrained behavior of of what May means and how to cover it that I think we could have we could have gone to Florida and some of this stuff would have happened without us. You know, as much as it is, and you're from from Indiana, as much it is, it is Indiana's event indianapolis's event it is the world's event right you know there are viewers tuning in in hundreds of countries around the world you mentioned the connection with chicago uh donald davidson filled us in which was some great news is that you know wgn radio was the first radio station to actually broadcast the indy 500 so everything that you do is in america's dna it's certainly in our dna as well but being in indiana and, and i wanted to get this kind of perspective of it too. Entertainment, that's in your job title. You get that. That's what it's all about. But, you know, you've worked with the Central Indiana Corporate Partnership and and just give a, a little snapshot to the listeners just what this event means, what the Speedway means, not only to Indianapolis, but the state, just as certainly a focal point, but also just as an, an economic engine. Yeah, well, it's a huge, it's just hugely important on so many levels. It is, it is, 
a big part of the brand of Indianapolis, right? You, you can't go anywhere in the world. And I used to do a lot of international work. And if you say Indianapolis, they may not know where to find it, how to find it on the map. We used to say, you know, just below Chicago. <laughs> uh, okay. But uh, but they knew Indianapolis, and you'd often get the you know an oval drawn in the air. So it's part of our brand. It's very global, and we're hearing from people all over the world now. And a lot of uh, our broadcasters all over the world are going to show the the, the television uh, broadcast Sunday. But it, it also is an economic engine. We, we haven't done a study recently, but the last one was about $360 million a year uh, in economic impact every year from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. That's equal to a Super Bowl. So Indiana Indianapolis is fortunate to have that every year. And it's also a driver of a, a, an industry cluster. Most of our teams are located here. Those are employers of really high-paid engineers and uh, and great technical talent, international folks uh, as part of that uh, workforce. Um, and their suppliers, right? We have Delar, an Italian firm from northern Italy that that, that makes our, uh, uh, our chassis and other parts, brake manufacturers. There's a whole supply chain here related to racing that, that is here because of, of this event in the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So it's, it's a big deal, and, and all one needs to do. So, you know, inside Indianapolis is the town of Speedway. It's really a small town that carries, I guess we carry its name or vice versa. And, uh, you know, the media here is covering how it, it's just eerie, how quiet it is at a time when otherwise it's just teeming with people. And that's true for downtown Indianapolis. We we take this place over throughout May. I say it's like carpet bombing. You you you, you have to live under a rock not to know, not to hear every morning for between three and four weeks that it's May, and May is synonymous with um, this place, Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Well, taking ownership of May and now, of course, putting a big stake into August as we wait for the the actual running that's going to be coming up for the Indianapolis 500. And, and very last thing is. And it couldn't have come at, a, at a, I think, maybe a better, more opportune time. People are so excited about the future of what Penske, Roger Penske, your involvement in all the things that are going to be happening, what it's going to mean to the Speedway and, and IndyCar in the series. And, of course, NBC playing a big part of that. Is there any other things? But now at this point, when when I think leadership, stewardship is, is most important, you guys are there and entrenched with a vision not only to get through this situation, but also for the future. So are there other things that you're excited about as, you know, in, in your role and, and with Penske that it's going to mean to the Speedway for other events and, and kind of the future of what it can mean? Yeah, I think so. Roger is extraordinary and his passion for this place and IndyCar racing is just unbridled. Um, you know, we had a really good year last year. It was our first year with NBC. All the fan metrics were up. We were growing. When, as our friends in the media business were prone to say, you know, flat is, is the new up. Well, we were actually up. And so, and, and we had more sponsors coming into the sport. We were growing the number of teams. It really ended on a real high note, only to to be deferred for now. But I think when we start back the first week of uh, – uh, June in at the Texas Motor Speedway, we're going to start with a lot of momentum again, and you can expect some news about that maybe over this weekend in terms of how we can uh, start start uh, with a lot of impact. There's other things. I, I'm not. It, it's hazardous to predict victory, but we're working on again on uh, how to bring a third manufacturer into the sport, 
And, uh, you know, we've, we've been close before and left at the altar a little bit, but Roger Penske's, uh, reach in the, in the automobile industry is a huge asset in the search for a third. Uh, I hope we have some good news eventually there. He's done, he's investing in the facility. I gave a friend a tour a couple of weeks ago and he said, the place looks 20 years younger. Um, it, 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 every, he, every piece of it, um, does not escape his gaze and, and we're fixing it up, cleaning it up. So when we do bring fans back, it'll be an even better experience for fans. It's about 27 new significant, um, led boards so that, uh, more and more fans will have a better video experience, uh, from wherever they're sitting. The list goes on and on and on. And, and, you know, I think we're, we're going to be on the lookout for, um, you know, is there one other big event we could bring here? There's nothing imminent there, but we've already got the 500 and we've got the NASCAR Brickyard event. Um, we think maybe there's room if we could figure out how to do it to, to bring another major event, whether that's endurance or, or whatever. Uh, and, and maybe that's something that could happen as early as next year. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a Mecca and you put the, the signal on people are going to want to gravitate towards it. So as many ways as you can showcase that amazing facility, uh, the better right place, right time for Penske to be there and the right time, maybe some of the toughest times and that's what's happening now. But I think the future is bright. You said the words good news quite a few times and the, the good news starts uh, this weekend. And of course there's going to be some great news coming up as people get to enjoy the virtual 500 on NBC at 1 p.m. here Chicago time. So thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. I know you've got a lot going on. A lot of you virtually have a lot going on. Um, and, and we're so blessed to have you in and around it all and sharing it with us. And thanks for jumping on uh, on the show today. Thanks for having us, Dane. Uh, we'll look forward to getting your reactions after you tune in on Sunday. So Griffin had brought up a bunch of different ideas. And as we have touched on different elements of entertainment, whether it's uh, kind of the resurgence or at least reemergence of the, the drive-in movie to uh, Disney Plus having um, verified, you know, entertainment properties and, and things that people have just gone crazy for, uh, like Hamilton. And, and you had sent me something as we kind of keep up with it. You know, Chicago loves its sports <laughs> and it also loves its sports heroes. And uh, so, sort of, Jake, yeah, Jake, Jake Cutler, because... <laughs> Here's here's what I think. You know, sometimes you you meet people and you in in walks of notoriety and maybe they're sports figures and you realize just like we saw with Last Dance with uh, with Michael Jordan. Wow, he's got a great personality. I think he could sell cars or t-shirts or shoes or whatever it is. You know, he's got something that I think is a little extra and beyond the sports side. I'm not sure anyone ever thought that with Jay Cutler. He, know, was, he was kind of a sports anti-hero it, in, in Chicago. He, he almost didn't have enough personality. To, to kind of even handle just the on-field part of it, and, yeah. or, or at least the personality he did. And people have said that, not very many people, but some people have said that maybe he was misunderstood or misinterpreted and mm-hmm. that he really is, you know, a nice guy. I'm doing the air quotes here. Uh, but so he, he so ex- explain this. So he Well, so he just got divorced, or they announced an upcoming divorce, him and his wife, Kristen Cavallari. I don't yes. know if you saw that. Yeah. Uh, and they had this reality show together. Which is now presumably going to end because they're not going to be living together anymore. Very, very cavalry, I guess is how you say it. And uh, I just thought it was funny. There's this story on TheRinger.com about sort of saying goodbye to Jay Cutler, not the quarterback, but the reality TV star. Because he was almost more cut out for reality TV maybe than than football. Because a lot of people found him not charming, sort of the opposite of charming, but uh, hilariously... (laughs) Just a hilarious figure on this reality show in in the in the fact that he was 
just so unwilling to to deal with the silliness of it. He would just would quite mean actually. <laughs> and it's it's kind of refreshing to see someone just be plainly mean and just kind of like and, and here's the thing rude. And there was something that people liked about that on TV, I have to say. <laughs> and that for him, I think is authentic. Yeah, exactly. Right? It, that it, that's what people are looking for, just something authentic. Even if it is bad, they like that it sort of seems real. Yeah. Yeah. We we were joking <laughs> about what's on brand and, and you know, I think, you know, apathetic indifference uh, and maybe a, a little right. bit of hostility. That's that's Jay Cutler, right? That's his that's his uh, his football card. It made me want to go back and watch more of this reality show, which I remember hearing about while I was on. But it was like it's not really something I'm going to watch. So you wonder, maybe I'll go back now. How you can kind of pull people from you know, from the public and put them and put him on a reality show. And, and Jay Cutler is one of those. I think it was part his his wife. That was her kind of vocation, right? Yeah, that that yeah. was her wheelhouse. And so yeah. she wanted to include him in there. I have never seen the show, but I just only <laughs> imagine Jay just sitting on the couch, not like you said, not wanting to be, to be just not, like a hostile witness to the entire exactly, process. Exactly, exactly. All right. Well, we're going to have people witnessing uh, some great barbecue and, of course, uh, some tributes to our men and women in uniform and, uh, and our fallen heroes coming up on Monday. So, so tune in uh, 12 till 3, all of those uh, great guests. And uh, until then, we'll see you later. It's Dane here, 720 WGN.